Yo, Ridge Runner Nation, welcome back to the Ridge Runners live show. On this episode, we sit down with Tanner Lee, who just won Ohio's Backyard Ultra by running 158 miles. Sit back and relax, because this episode is dives into all kinds of stuff, from his training, his nutrition, as well as his mindset for the race. We hope you enjoy. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? We are so pumped that you joined us for another Ridge Runners live show. Tonight, we are in for something special, something that we hope is just half as special as running 158 miles at Ohio's Backyard Ultra, which our guest tonight did this past weekend. This guy joining us tonight is 23 years old, coming to us all the way from Ashland, Kentucky. Ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, your Ohio's Backyard Ultra Champion in 2020, Tanner Lee. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, we're super stoked to kind of sit down with you, learn about your race, and just how you just absolutely crushed 158 miles and made it look effortless. So I know I'm super excited for tonight's episode. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Wesley Harton, and holding down the floor with me tonight is a guy who drinks a pot of coffee a day, JD3, John Dolovaki III. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well, Wesley. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Uh, let's just get things going how we normally start things off. Uh, Tanner, what are you drinking tonight? So we got the, from the Beverly Hills of California, we got the classic GT's uh, kombucha trilogy flavor. So, yeah. That is a good choice. Good choice. I know there's a lot of people in the chat that'll be uh, approving that one. John, what about yourself? Um, I have got myself a Hawks uh, Dead and Buried Hard Cider. So that's what I'm enjoying this evening. Um, It's pretty refreshing so far. So we'll see if it stays that way. How about you, Wes? Are you drinking anything exciting over there? Or are you back to your, your casual, usual college style? <laughs> Almost college style. But, you know, I got I got as close to Kentucky as I could get. I got the Ryan Guy's Truth IPA. That's pretty so close. That Almost Kentucky. That's very close. So Cincinnati <laughs> beer. Super excited to have that one again. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a Strava club as well. Uh, our name? You can probably guess it. It's Ridge Runners at all on all platforms. So Tanner, there's a lot of people in the chat who are going to have a ton of questions about OBU. But before we dive into the race itself, I want to learn about how did a 23 year old like yourself stumble upon ultra running? Yeah, that's a uh, interesting question. I, I get that a lot. Um, so really, it's uh, kind of boils down to I when I joined uh, ROTC through Marshall University. Um, one of the things they they like us to be able to do is run, you know, and just to kind of maintain that that physical, you know, fitness standard. And so it was something I had to get good at. I always ran track in high school, was pretty good at that, it was pretty quick, but never really ran cross country. So a mix of that with reading some books on like ultra running with Dean Carnassus and all those guys, David Goggins, you know, the list goes on. But uh, and then I actually met a actual ultra runner, uh, Stacy Saunders, who actually lives in the same town as me. She kind of brought me in and kind of took me under her wing. So, yep. So what was your official training like? What was the first time you're like, okay, I'm gonna sign up for this race and just go out and do it? Yeah, so I originally started training with Stacy. obviously. We mainly did a lot of road stuff, um, just kind of like 15 miles, 20 miles, 25 mile kind of runs, and then kind of slowly built, she kind of helped build me up. And then we signed up for this race called ruts it's over in paducah kentucky it's uh one of those 10 hour time block races where you just try to get as many miles as you can 
um, and, and did pretty well there. So that's kind of where it all kind of started. So when did that race take place? So that took place in the summer, June of 2019. So I, I've only been running for about a year and a half now or so. So that's, uh, that's when that kicked off. And, and it, like I said, it was, a, it was a pretty good opportunity for me to kind of get my, my foot in the door, so. I think there's some people watching right now that are shaking their boots, realizing that, okay, this guy's only been running for a year and a half, and he's already putting up 158 miles in a backyard ultra. The sky's the limit for this guy. So uh, this is awesome. So take us forward. You ran the Yeti 100 as well uh, this past September. Uh, take us to your progression from July last year to the Yeti this year. Okay. So from, let's see, so from June, that first ultra, I went in, kind of took a break and kind of got into the cycle of, you know, waiting six months or five to six months and then doing another ultra, kind of giving myself plenty of time to train up. And so the next race after Ruts was the Tunnel Hill, uh, just the 50 miler. So I, I didn't quite want to jump right to a hundred miler. I kind of wanted to build up a little bit. And so knocked that one out over, I want to say, November of 2019. <clears throat> so it was about this time last year when I ran that. And then from there, we kind of bumped up a little bit, uh, registered for Pistol Ultra Run over in Tennessee. And that's kind of when the whole COVID thing hit. And then that turned into a virtual thing. And so I ran it with a couple of uh, buddies who here in Ashland were uh, signed up for that. And so we ran that. Um, and then from there, we headed over to the Yeti 100. And that's kind of where it all kind of accelerated and kicked off. So, I mean, I would say so. At the Yeti 100, you finished 13th overall. You were sub 20 with a time of 19.58. Just a truly epic performance there. So I'm assuming that kind of gave you confidence going into Ohio's back at Ultras that, hey, at least I know I can hit 100 within 24 hours and a couple things involving that. Uh, what was it kind of like, you know, getting to the McChesney Ridge Athletic Club uh, on Friday night before the race? There's obviously some people around, everyone's social distancing. COVID protocols and all that stuff. But what was it kind of like just being there and kind of experiencing that atmosphere uh, the night before the race? Yeah, so well, first and foremost, <clears throat> I was just kind of blessed to be able to have an, another event to go to within like almost back-to-back -back months. And so um, that was really cool just to have the opportunity because I know a lot of people aren't really getting to experience that. And so kind of getting there, um, it's not too far away, only about an hour from where I live. So when I got there, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I kind of just researched what backyards were like and kind of just showed up, got my, uh, got my supplies and, and my canopy and all that good stuff, got it set up for, you know, near the corral and, uh, met with Michael and, uh, signed in and it was just kind of a nice, quiet, you know, just everyone was kind of nervous, you know, kind of, kind of waiting for the big, big start the next morning and, uh, just kind of chatted, uh, at the fire with, with you and a couple other guys and just kind of just try to learn as much as I could about the race before it started. And then, um, the next morning we, uh, the, the, the bell rang and that's kind of what it was like getting there. So. I thought it was super interesting. So we, I was with Nick Voss and obviously all three of us are chit-chatting around the fire or whatnot. And you were just kind of asking us for tips and tricks. And really, we should have been asking you for tips and tricks uh, <laughs> for this race. What was your kind of like, is there anything you kind of learned, maybe not from us, but just like on Friday that kind of really helped you on Saturday that like you kind of took with you into the race? Yeah. So one thing, and I kind of talked with this with another guy, Jeff, who, who I kind of met at the race and it was kind of, we wanted to use the inexper our inexperience to our advantage. So kind of being almost um, oblivious of kind of what to expect. And that, that kind of helped me out. 
And uh, in a weird way, my inexperience kind of helped me just go with the flow, just put one foot in front of the other and kind of just learn as we went on. And so that was kind of cool, getting to learn the type of you know race format as you're running it. And uh, as far as like learning anything that you guys kind of were talking about, just kind of going, taking it slower uh, at, the, at the beginning. And, you know, there was a lot of people going out pretty fast, hammering in sub 50 minute, you know, trail loops and stuff like that. So, and, you know, those people, you know, obviously didn't, didn't last. Um, so that getting that kind of just take it slow and, and kind of progress your way throughout the day um, was great to uh, hear from you guys. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, like I said, well, I'm not going to take any credit for your awesome performance or anything like that, but it was kind of just kind of, it's neat to see kind of like, okay, this guy's asking for advice, kind of le- trying to just learn as much as he can beforehand. And then he's going out and applying a ton of different stuff. You kind of learn from other people out of the race and just absolutely crushing it. Uh, take us through kind of a deep dive of the race. Start us out the early miles, kind of what the morning was like for you on the day, the day of the race. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's see. So the first morning, it, it was a, uh, it was pretty cold compared to the next morning. Um, first morning was pretty fun. Kind of all the nerves, you know, after that first bell ring, we all go up the hill. Um, everyone kind of like settled in and the first couple laps, every, you could hear people just laughing throughout the property, you know, just having a good time. Um, just being real jovial about everything and just everyone, everyone was kind of nonchalant and there, you know, there were some people going pretty quick and, and all that good stuff. So for me, I, I, the main thing I wanted to do was just hang back and conserve as much as I could and, and also come in at a, at a decent time to make sure, you know, I was getting, um, maintain, maintaining, you know, uh, nutrition and all that good stuff. So just kind of taking uh, a slower approach in the kind of earlier hours, like the first 12 or 10, I believe it was 10 hours on, on the first uh, trail session, if you want to call it that. And then moving into the first night, um, that's kind of where you, before we transition into the night, I could already see um, kind of the effects of of the backyard kind of on the other runners. And you could kind of see the way people were tripping more, um, just the way that they were moving. It wasn't as quick and you could just tell people were hurting and all that good stuff. Um, and so just kind of the nature of, of the beast there, just kind of ex- experiencing that and just kind of seeing that. And then moving into the second or the first night, um, I didn't really know what to expect, um, again, with all this being new, but for that, the main thing was I came in a lot quicker, maybe like two to three more minutes quicker on average, just to kind of give myself more, uh, more time just to shut my eyes for, for a couple seconds and just kind of recharge, reboost. Um, and so that was kind of the main thing for that first night session. And then by then the field has had dwindled down, uh, dramatically and then, kind of surviving through that night. And I believe we were out there for about 13 hours. Um, so it, it was quite a, quite a hefty amount of road running and then kind of just surviving until the sunrise and that sunrise was great. And then that second morning was, I mean, it, it was awesome. That was probably my favorite chunk section of the, of the race. Just kind of getting to, cause previously the, the longest I'd ever been on my feet running in ultra was, was 19 hours um, or 20 hours or so. So kind of going into that, you know, getting close to that 24 hour mark, what was really, really cool. It was an awesome experience and just kind of realizing that, that you were kind of, I was, you know, as far as time on my feet, uh, I was at my personal best. And that from that point on, it was just all cherry on top. 
So going into the second evening, um, the field was uh, pretty, obviously dwindled down at that point. Um, We were probably down to less than 10 runners or so. And so from there, um, went into the second night and and that's where things started to get tough and uh, where I started to need to get a lot more just warm, solid food in. And uh, yeah. So that's kind of how the deep dive, kind of the rhythm of kind of how I, I saw it went. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, in that deep dive, you kind of talked a little about nutrition at the very beginning. What did, what did your nutrition look like for most of the, the loops? Were you always trying to get a specific amount of calories in? Did you switch up the style of foods you were eating? Like were you doing goos and liquid-based gel or liquid-based stuff? Or were you like trying to get real food from the beginning or what? How'd that play out for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for me, I'm a big, big sh- like shoot from the hip kind of guy. I'm not. I don't like to put everything in an Excel Excel spreadsheet and calculate all the calories and all that good stuff. Um, with like traditional like point A to point B races, um, I try to go off of gels and um, all that good stuff, gels and goose for as long as I can until I need that solid food. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this, it was purely just solid food. I, I believe I actually tried some honey stinger chews. For like the first um, one or two uh, yards, but it just didn't really settle well. So I just immediately went into some solid food, um, just things like pot, like pre-cooked pasta, pierogies, pretzels, all that good stuff. So your deep dive, like literally made it seem like the race, like the easiest thing ever. You're like, you know, I just did the first day, the second night was easy. You know, I just go to the second day and it gets dark again. I just keep going. Like you made it sound like it was like the easiest race ever. Was there ever a point where you're out there where like, okay, this is actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, I, I would say there, there were some, I had two deep kind of pockets of kind of a low one was about around like a hundred mile, 108 ish, I think. And, uh, that was just me kind of needing some, some, you know, heavy calories, like a hot meal, um, just something that I could kind of help just reboost, turn everything around. Um, so that was kind of a low point and I was like, man, this is kind of rough. This is tough. And then definitely most definitely going into that second night just just me and and jen the the only ones being out there on the road it was really really tough just because you're so you're so alone out there you know and uh so those would definitely be kind of a lower more harder difficult kind of mentally and physically moments of the race yeah i think john you another question here yeah well we got finally got our first uh, chat question for this evening um coming from nick voss he says, looking back, do you think there's value going even slower in the beginning than you did? Or was 50 to 52 minute the sweet spot for you? I would say I could have possibly have benefited. Um, I probably would have went even a little bit slower than that. I tried coming in at like 55, 56 minutes for a couple of loops and it just wasn't quite enough time for me. So I think maybe if I toned it back, maybe like a minute or two, two per lap, I think that I could, I could have tried that out, but I, I seem to kind of come in between 50, 52, 53 at the most. So. So the craziest part is like, obviously I was out there and Nick was out there and obviously a lot of runners in the chat might've been out there as well. And it was awesome to kind of see everyone this weekend, but you came in at 52 minutes, 
But the craziest part that I've, I haven't seen this in other back at ultras, you got back at the starting line with like two minutes to go every single time. What was that process like for you to be like, hey, was it a mental game? You just wanted to prove to the other competitors like, hey, some of you are coming in at 58, 57. I'm already at the starting line by the time you guys get in. Is that a part of it? Or was it a personal thing like, hey, I want to get to the starting line and kind of settle in again before I go out in the next yard? Yeah, so that's pretty interesting because I know exactly what you're talking about. So like when the field was pretty dense, when there was still a lot of runners left, I kind of just did what everybody else did. And then kind of as the field kind of thinned out, I, uh, I started just going towards the starting line as soon as I felt ready. And um, it was very systematic with how I kind of approached my crew. They knew exactly what to do, despite their inexperience and my experience with running it. Um, we just kind of did our thing. And then I just try to get back to that, that, that starting line just to show, you know, like, hey, look, I'm ready to go. Um, and that way I was kind of ready to go and just kind of up and, and the blood was flowing and all that good stuff. And I, I guess it was just something for me. And then, and then I guess a byproduct of it would be, you know, the other competitors were like, man, this dude is you know ready to go. So a little bit of both. I, I could imagine just like Tim Crow and a couple other people are just like looking at this kid because the tent's right there. They like looking yeah. out of you. He's like, man, I'm still laying in my chair here. They're just <laughs> literally standing there ready to go two and a half minutes early. Uh, totally awesome. This is something super unique that I just haven't seen before at a backyard ultra, but I think it works. And I think that's kind of the mental games you kind of play in a backyard ultra. Did you have any other mental games you kind of like used to your advantage when you were out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I. Uh, in the beginning, kind of in the earlier stages of the race, I, I, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I was just listening in on conversations. And I, I wasn't super open to talking with anyone kind of like right away, unless I had, had shared a, like a decent bit of miles with them. And, and for the people that I did share miles with, I kind of, you know, we got talking and just kind of, you know, let, letting time pass by just through like the small talk and all that good stuff. But uh, one thing that kind of like helped boost me is a lot of people were asking, um, you know, I wonder how many people are going to go at a, to 100 miles, or I wonder out of you know the, the existing field at the time, I wonder how many of them are going to drop at 100 miles. So those kind of things I kind of took mental notes of, and for me it was like I could identify those people as people who definitely did not want to kind of go, you know what I mean, like go just to like win it, I guess you could say. And so with that, I kind of use that as. Um, I don't know, I kind of stored that away and, and just kind of used that for the future. And then those people ended up, um, you know, dropping off eventually. But uh, other than that, just kind of storing away those kind of things and then kind of getting the starting line early, um, just really just, just running strong and just hitting those uphill strong and, and just not really, you know, showing uh, any weakness, I guess, um, was kind of just the overall game plan, just, just trying to be strong. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the the level of mental games can be played during these last man standing t style events. Um, Tim Grow says, "Be easy on old people, Wesley. Um, you're not being very nice to them." Um, so we have a couple more questions. First from Harold says, "What did your training look like between the Yeti 100 and the last man standing race?" That's an interesting one. So it was a lot different because. So Stacy Saunders, who originally got me into ultra running, who's kind of like my unofficial coach, I guess you could, you could call it. She helped me kind of, you know, build the stereotypical like your six weeks until you taper down and kind of like build up to that point. But I only had six, six weeks, I believe, six like full weeks really um, to from the, the, the time I recovered from Yeti to the start of um, OBU. 
Um, all of it really was just 4.2 mile loops. Uh, that's all I did. Just 4.2 mile loops on top of 4.2 mile loops. And then on the weekends, I would do just significantly more. I'd do like one 4.2 mile loop on the weekdays and then just do like four or five or six on, on the weekends. So rather than just kind of doing your just continuous, like your, your 20 mile long run or whatever it would be. So, so you spent most of the time trying to like emulate the race itself then? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it worked pretty well for you, um, given you went 100 and <laughs> I would I, I'd say it was all right. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of a little slack. I guess you did all right. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't make 200, but then again, he could have. I don't know. Yeah, who does? He, was it his fault? <laughs> um, we got another question from Andrew Wass. Is, did you have a, a mental mantra during the low, two low points you talked about earlier that helped you stay in the game? Yeah. So for me, a, a big thing for me is just, um, and, and I started this in, in the early parts of the race, just kind of going back to why I'm doing this. And it kind of goes back to kind of who I am and kind of what has made me the person I am today. And just thinking about the, the simple things in life, things that I'm thankful for, the people that I'm thankful for, the people in my life. Um, and just kind of, kind of meditating and kind of thinking about and kind of focusing on one thing per yard. Um, and so I, I would do that periodically, um, kind of in the beginning of the race. And then when times got tough, when those two kind of, uh, dips, um, I kind of did that as well. So just, just kind of being, being grateful and just being thankful and looking back on, you know, what I have and how blessed I am. So that's, I mean, super special to kind of hear that, like you kind of dove deep and like had that like internal motivation per se to kind of dig deep in those certain moments and have something to kind of fall back on when things got tough. So it really like resonates with me and a lot of other runners, I'm sure as well. Uh, one question I had, and I kind of feel like you, I'm just going to use Tim Crow as an example. Cause I remember seeing this in my like mile 130 or mile 25. Like you said to me and him, when he was right there, you're like, this guy's a beast. Like you're like, you guys were leading the pack. You guys were just like running together. And were you just like trying to just like stay on his heels to like, just run him out of the race essentially or like were you just like ah, i'm just gonna like stay like what was your because i feel like you always kind of stayed near the leaders like you were never like i'm just gonna come in at like 57 58 like did you just like did, did you lead at any point i guess there's a lot of questions there but i'm just kind of curious on what your mindset was uh coming to like leading slash like being on people's heels and knowing that you're all around them at all times yeah so it's a little bit of a couple things. So the first thing would be just with the nature of that trail loop, it, it, we come in later than we do on the road. So just kind of ensuring that I get that extra time and that, that, you know, enough time on that, on that trail, trail yard. Um, so a little bit of that, just giving myself plenty of time. And then I just saw that, you know, I mean, Tim Crow, he was, I mean, big Tim was, he was cranking him out, you know, he was looking very strong at that point in the race. And so, you know, that kind of resonated with me. And once I kind of got out of my little, rut I, I kind of you know just kind of followed him around and i kind of fed off his energy and i hope he was able to do the same with me and kind of we just kind of work together and just you know just work off of each other so so tim drops and then there's the group of say chadwick andrew wah and a couple other people in that wave what was it like when you drop back to that wave did your mindset change Did you be like i'm just gonna take off and lead every loop or what was it like when that kind of happened when like tim dropped off you're saying yeah okay um, so it, it, the same kind of mantra of just, you know, running strong and, and just making sure I get enough time to, uh, to get back. And, um, one thing I started to focus on was crushing those downhills. Um, for me personally, like I just, I thought it may, it would have made more sense to just crush them rather than just stay on them longer, you know? 
uh, less time on my feet on the downhills. For a lot of people, that was it was hard just you know at mile one thirty or whatever it was, um, just going on downhills. Um, it's not ideal, you know. So uh, just a mix of being strong, running strong, starting it out, just just starting and finishing each yard strong. Um, kind of you know it was what that was. Feel like I mean it kind of worked out, you know. Just you start strong, you finish strong. You'll obviously get in before the loop is over, and that's kind of uh, all that's important at a backyard ultra. So, kind of super awesome to see. What was it like when you kind of like was like five people left? I mean, like obviously you kind of have a realize, okay, you are going to potentially win this thing. So there's five people left, four people left, three people left. What was kind of the dynamics left when you saw people just keep dropping out? And you're like, oh man, this is actually like could happen. This could be me. Yeah. So when it got down to like the final five or four or so, um, that's kind of when I started getting emotional. It's probably where the most emotional I was, um, just specific when I was by myself, kind of leading some of the yards. Um, I just kind of was taking some time to reflecting on like how much we had, we had as a, as a group of four or five had come and like, we're all here, you know, we're all helping each other out. We're trying to, you know, we, we had already beat the course record at that point or however many it was. And so at this point we were just, you know, tacking on more history, you know? And so that was kind of cool and, and just kind of appreciating the other runners that were with me and just kind of hoping that they would go with me and be willing just to keep pushing and keep, keep pushing. So, um, you know, that, I think that was a good, strong group of the final four, you know what I mean? And I think we, uh, I think we could have easily have gotten, gone longer as that group before. And, uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of was, was my take on that kind of, um, this final four or five and kind of, you know, the possibility of winning and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really quite convince myself of, of winning or anything like that until, you know, I had finished that, that final lap, obviously. But um, the thought kind of crossed my mind, you know, the, obviously the percentage is going up because there's less runners in the field. So. Yeah, people like me were dropping out, so it made it a little easier for you. <laughs> Nick and everyone else, you know, we're all, we're all second place outside of, and then obviously you. Uh, John, do you think you had a question there? Um, I think I did. Oh, yes. So when you were kind of, especially towards the end, I don't know if it makes any more difference more towards the end or beginning, but overall the entire day, what was the impact of your crew um, and having all those nutrition things ready for you and just maybe there for moral support and getting you moving or something like that? Yeah, for sure. So there was a, there was a point, especially towards like just the end, the second half of the race, especially kind of going into that second evening, um, where I really, really needed some, some hot solid food. So my dad went out to some like small, like Mexican joint out there and, and got me some, like some refried beans, some rice and just like a tortilla or something like that. So just being able to crush that down and get some good calories in was awesome. It was kind of a boost and just knowing that they were there for me. Um, cause they 110% had my back, um, regardless of the result. And, uh, they were relentless with the way they crewed me and that kind of helped me be, you know, relentless out on the, uh, on the course. So they, uh, they, they for sure deserve, you know, I mean, I, I the way I look at it in backyards, is it like the way your runner looks out on the course, um, is, is a direct representation of like the crew and, and their ability to do their job. So. Awesome. Um, we have another question in the chat coming from Andrew Wall again. It says, how much further do you think you could have gone since you are the only runner to not DNF? Spicy so, question. Spicy yeah. Question. <laughs> it is. Um, 
just because you get to that you get to that point and then like it's just weird with backyards because it's the race with no end and then once it does come to an end it's very abrupt mm. and you're like man could i have gone farther um i would like to think that i could have um my uh i'd felt pretty good i felt like i could have kept crushing out um at least 54s and 55s for maybe another um i don't know 20 to 30 more miles i don't know i'd like to think that that uh if that that final four was still with with me we could have hit 200 um um but yeah i definitely think that i could have gone like 175 for sure and then from there it just would have depended on you know can i take in calories and then you know can can we can the runner still stay in the field so I'm not going to totally spill your secrets or whatnot, but I remember the first, one of the first road loops or whatnot, I was at the turnaround spot and you're like, man, I hope this race just ends at some point soon. <laughs> so, I mean, not that I don't think you could, I mean, obviously you think you 170, 200 or whatever you could have done, but I think once you're in the moment, you're like, okay, I actually want this to end, but you can physically kind of go further. So I think it's kind of, it's just super neat to kind of see how that all kind of transpires. Uh, Andrew Richards is in the chat and he said that uh, he went to high school with you and he said that you, you were an absolute beast in track and field and uh, whatnot. And he says, love you. Keep crushing your goals, man. So thank you. Thank you, Andrew. It's super cool to see kind of just people kind of chiming in. That's kind of what the backyard community kind of was all about. Just kind of people coming together and you kind of need the assist to kind of get you to where you're going in a race like this. What did it kind of mean to kind of like participate in a backyard ultra kind of having, did it have that different community feel to it per se than like a Yeti 100 where you kind of just out there by yourself and you kind of just doing your own thing or what was that experience kind of like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do. I thoroughly enjoy the backyard just kind of format and it, it's so much more inter like you're already interconnected with like a point A to point B race, like the Yeti or Tunnel Hill or whatever. But like with a bet with like OBU or any other backyard, like I would assume it'd be the same for the others. Like you're all like you're all helping each other out. Like you're all there working together to get to that, you know, whatever your goal is. And uh, you get to experience the same ground, the same trail, the same road as all the other runners, and you're enduring that. You're suffering through that all together. So it's a more of a, I would say it's more of a smaller intimate experience, um, in, in the kind of the backyard, um, format. And, uh, it's just more tightly knit and you just get to have so many more conversations because no one's out there trying to crush, you know, sub eight minute miles. You know what I mean? They're out there just to endure and they're out there to, to last as long as they can. So, um, I think that just that in and of itself, the different style just says a lot more about not only the people who run that kind of race, but but just kind of, you know, how tightly it brings you guys um, together. So, was there any people specifically that maybe you like had a special impact on you and, and your race on race day? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Chad uh, Chad Robinson uh, definitely was uh, a big motivator for me. He helped me out. Um, I mean, for me, I just came very unprepared and he definitely stepped up and, and kind of, you know, was able to help me out in, in different ways. And, um, you know, he was crushing it like over like like after like a mile 120 or whatever it was like he was still crushing it. And so just to see him out there, not only had he helped me out, you know, at the beginning part of the race and even before the race started and he just gave me all this advice. Um, just seeing him out there uh, definitely boosted my spirits. When anytime I got down, I was just like, "Oh man, there he is! Let's go, let's go!" <laughs> yeah, Chadwick's a uh, interesting kind of guy, 
His uh, he's got a good McDonald's skit on our one of our shows. I forget when when that was. That was pretty far back, wasn't it, Wesley? Yeah, I couldn't tell you what number that was, but that was a pretty solid one. Chadwick's always uh, poking around some awesome videos himself, so it's yeah, awesome. He, he's good. Um, was it painful when you were coming back around for those loops to see everyone sitting by the fire and just chilling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess, like, at some point, I, I guess, like, around mile 115 to 20 or something like that, so apparently like my cruise tent got like blown away and it just was destroyed. So we actually had to relocate. We were borrowing Michael's tent. And so it was really close to the fire and it was almost perfect because like I could feel a little bit of warmth like whenever I went under the canopy for, for that break. But uh, it, I, it was definitely a trap. And like that was, that was kind of the fire is the trap. Like the fire is a trap. Like that was the mantra everyone had kind of talked about even before, the, it was, even on a Friday night, like, that's the trap and just to kind of stay away so <laughs> it was hard yeah 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 i can imagine just having to have especially when you kind of like relocated to the starting the front corral or whatever did that kind of help you out at any point or like because obviously like when people drop out other people move up and so you kind of got like one of the first starting spots where everyone else was did that help out like mindset wise like or is that just kind of like oh, i don't care i'm gonna get there two minutes really no matter what I mean, it, I mean, as far as distance goes, it might've been a little less, but at the end of the day, I think I was going to continue just to be there, you know, with, with time to spare before, before it, it all started. And it, it was kind of nice just to be a little bit closer, but really no difference um, in my opinion. So. Yeah, no, I, I kind of get that. Michael, we'll make sure to tell Michael, put your tent on the hill next time, up like a hundred yards off. So you have to climb that and come back down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe then we could, uh, we could slow you down a little bit. Okay. Uh, Sean, I think we had another comment for you. Oh yeah, your uh, your mother's in the chat this evening, and she says uh, she couldn't be more proud of you, and yet you are a superstar. So always love some motherly love. Thank you, mom. Love you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just seeing your crew out there, and like they, they were, I mean, just relentless. Like you you mentioned that they were just relentless themselves, kind of just helping you out, and kind of just going above and beyond. Kind of like we kind of talked about the impact of it, but what was like the one thing that like changed the game that they kind of went above and beyond that like was like okay this is like unbelievable what they did for me here and i just need to keep going kind of for them so yeah i think all three of them did a, did a fantastic job um you know not only with the relentlessness of just always just continuing no matter like you know no matter whether they're sleep deprived or tired or hungry or whatever the situation may be like they were always willing just to help me out and made sure i had anything and everything like i have no excuses and you know specifically my dad i mean he he basically was awake probably longer than i was um for the entire event so that was that in and of itself i didn't know at the time that, that he had done that but afterwards it really made me appreciate you know look these people are not only here but they're really here to help me you know go big so yeah that's wonderful to hear that and especially staying up longer than you that's always impressive too um but i can imagine it gets kind of a tedious between the loops where you're just waiting and you're like like wanting to fall asleep by that fire so i think it's almost more impressive to stay awake not running than it is while running um michael's in the chat and he says that you have first dibs on 2021 obu if you want it in addition he says you look even younger in this video than you do in the weekend like in person <laughs> appreciate it michael I'll, I'll take you up on that and uh I don't know how to respond to the other one. I guess I guess it helps out because when I'm 40, I guess I'll look younger. I don't know. 
yeah, just, just ignore him. Like, you, you've got, you've met him or whatnot. So you kind of know just like, anything he says, take it with a grain of salt and just like throw the salt out the window. Don't even worry yeah. about it. So. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> good advice for dealing with him. But let's kind of talk about like future backyard ultra goals. So from my general knowledge with the backyard ultras, 158 could get you into bigs as like just by itself and whatnot. So I know Ohio's back at ultra in March is going to be a golden ticket race. Whoever wins that race is going directly to bigs uh, outside of the mileage or whatnot, but kind of talk about what are your futures? What is your future like in the back at ultra game? Yeah. So uh, right now um, I plan on registering for more events, but I've also got ode to Laz up in Holly, Michigan. So we got that um, upcoming. That'll be in July of 2021. And then, um, if 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 OBU is going to be in March, then then definitely we'll we'll be there. Um, and then I also have applied to Bigs, so I don't I don't know how all that's going to you know unfold with all the COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, from what it sounds like, a lot of the slotsters are are filling up, but uh, you know I, I think with 158, I, I think I've got definitely a striking chance at uh, getting into there as kind of like a. Um, I don't know the affiliate the, the affiliate race um, times because I mean a lot of the times the, or a lot of the distances you see with a lot of the other ones don't really exceed past one twenty, so I mean um, I think I've got a pretty good case. Is the O to Laz back at Ultra a Golden Ticket race, or is that just like an affiliate race? I say that's a Golden Ticket race. Okay, so you've got two Golden Ticket races. You're going to go win both of them. You're going to steal two spots from other people, and uh, it's going to be awesome to see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's gonna, it's gonna be good, especially like in March. I mean, obviously, I think with with it being a golden ticket race, I think that people are more the more events that backyard ultras kind of take on, the more people learn about them, and more people are like, okay, I can go this much further. I see this person going this further, and so I think the more that kind of the time passes, that everyone will kind of get closer to that one fifty, the two hundred goal, and that people maybe just started backyard ultras for doing just hundred miles or maybe fifty miles or whatnot. So, kind of with that being said, like going into those other races, what do you think is going to like your max peak or like what do you think like uh, obviously you're going to want to win, but like what do you think if you got towed the line with like Courtney DeWalter, like what do you think you could go? Well, uh, if I if I started towing the line with those kind of elites, um, not only would it be an honor to do that, but uh, I, I definitely think when you're you know towing the line with like-minded people, I mean anything is you know anything is the nothing's the limit. You know what I mean? It's just how far can we keep going? You know, um, and uh, just kind of you know it, it all depends on how many people you can get so deep into that race. You know, and the, and the deep the more people you can get deeper. Um, the crazier the the possibilities are. So that's going to be the thing. Who's showing up? Who's showing up in March to take on Tanner when he defends his uh, champion at Ohio's back at Ultra? I'm, I'm bringing we're bringing everyone out. I don't know who's coming. Maybe we'll get Troy <laughs> Allen. He's won last year. We'll get him back. We'll get Gabe Rainwater back. He just did 200. We'll get Jake Conrad down to OBU. We'll make it a big party and see who we can go like 250 and make it the best back at Ultra affiliate race ever. And then you can go to Odalaz 120 and take a win there as well. So. <laughs> No, it's, it's just cool to see the backyard ultras. is just an awesome kind of uh, event. It's just kind of one that like it just pushes people to their limits, and it's just kind of one of those unique experiences. Uh, Michael says that he thinks that. Oh boy, this comment! I don't know if I can say it. 
So he says that Laz is stingy. He's hard on the regular applicants. Uh, 158 is a good resume, but he doesn't, he doesn't think that Laz favors you. So he thinks that a golden ticket is your best way in the, uh, the big dance. So that's kind of what I would do there. But do you have any, like, I mean, like you went sub 20 to hundred mileage. Do you have any like goals, like getting back into like a fast hundred again? I mean, right now, um, I kind of like to, I'd I like to focus on the, uh, the backyards for at least, you know, maybe a couple more years and then possibly kind of go back to the, to the traditional point A to point B. Um, but, uh, I, I'd also like to get into some mountain races too, you know, um, just testing the legs, um, with, you know, maybe like no business or something like that. Just some, some, you know, more vertical Eastern coast races. So. Yeah. So, I mean, like when it comes to like a mountain race or just future goals like that, like what's one thing that kind of like drive, drives you to like those other races per se, like after you do the back at ultra thing, it's kind of unique that you're like, you're not that you're doing it backwards, but it's just awesome that you're seeing like such, such a young age kind of doing all on the back at ultra and then we'll hit the hundred milers later. But what are some of those hundred milers later that you really want to dive into? I mean, there's really nothing in particular, you know, um, it would just be nice to to run some of the, like the bigger ones on the East coast and kind of knock those out first and then maybe work, work my way over to the West coast. And, and pos- if I'm, you know, still doing all this at that point. Um, but uh, I definitely like to do um, no business and possibly like the Georgia death race races kind of like that Eastern States. Um, and then uh, kind of, kind of work my way. Hard rock seems like it'd be a pretty cool one. Um, just with all of the the elevation and all that great stuff, but uh, I, I definitely want to do back or backyards for a while, just to kind of get that experience under my legs. You know, that way I know I can go the distance, and then it's a matter of like, can I train to the that race's like requirements and kind of the different elements that are incorporated with those different kind of races. So, using the backyards as kind of like a good foundation, a good base. I, I love it. I love it. I think it's a smart way to go on about it. And it's going to think it's going to just yield a ton of success in the future. Um, so Jen Russo, the person who got your assist, obviously, uh, has done a ton of the hardest 100 milers on the East Coast. So if you're looking for someone to advice, I'd talk to her. Um, what was it like when it was just the final two of you? And what was the kind of like that, like uh, when that kind of played out, like, oh, wow, it's going to be one of the two of us here? Yeah, it, it was kind of, you know, it, it was definitely an interesting um again it's just so lonely out there you know when, when you're out there on that road section and uh it's just two people because because the night before you're used to seeing headlamps you know going you know for however long both ways and uh i just think that the we we weren't really going at, at similar paces so we weren't really able to kind of feed off of each other's energy you know um, and so that kind of played uh, a part, um, I guess, a role into kind of like, I, guess, I don't know whether we might have been able to work together closer, maybe have gone further. I don't know. Um, but uh, we, we just really weren't going at different paces. She was kind of doing her own thing and I was doing my own thing. And just kind of, I think we were both just kind of focusing on ourselves and just, you know, continuing to do what we were doing. And then hopefully, hope, you know, that we could have went as far as we possibly could. But uh, yeah. So we got some uh, more. Another question. Oh, so we got go some more it. positive, uh, positive feedback coming in from the chat for you. Chadwick joins says you're the man. We've got uh, Abby says the uh, Fran clan all loves you, so uh, they're so proud of you as well. Who else we got? Um, Rachel Ferguson Tanner is the most humble kid and hardworking athlete. His Kentucky family is so proud of him. 
Um, so you, you, you got your whole family and everyone else you know down in the chat right there supporting you, which is awesome. So it looks like they showed up here as well. So that's great to see. Um, I don't think we got any other questions. Um, oh, Chadwick's got a big one. Oh, yeah, he wants it's to know if you've ever seen the movie Gremlins. It's a, it's important. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> see, that's that's how you went further than me because I'd never seen that movie, so. That's probably why you both went further than me. <laughs> That's definitely it. Maybe you should, maybe you should watch that one before March. <laughs> right, right after this, it's up getting right to the Netflix, Hulu. Find it over. It's odd. This year, we'll have to bring a screen projector and just watch Gremlins. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Go. Can we make that happen? Michael. We'll start I'll, distance, I'll bring uh, the screen. Gremlins. We'll just make it happen. I'll so bring I'll, myself. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, That's awesome. Let's hit up with some uh, some of our quick questions that we always ask. Um, what is uh? Well, let's go to my favorite right now, which is our our Spotify playlist is is fantastic. I mean, I'm telling you, it has the most wide ranging selection of genres on it. Um, if Ultra Running had walk up songs like baseball, what would yours be? And I want to quickly dive in here. If you could play one song when you're about to head out on the last loop to win the race, that kind of like would, would that be part of the song too? Okay, so hear me out. Ready? So it's going to be "Everybody Wants to Rule the World" by Tears of Fear. Tears for Fears. I can get behind that. Yeah. I can get behind that. So we'll, that's, that's, we'll have to get Cam to add it to the list. It probably will be up in 30 seconds, <laughs> like last time. <laughs> So, well, that that's links in the description, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's officially made its way to the description of the YouTube video. So if you want to check out our Spotify playlist, you can check that out as well. Uh, this seems like a good moment here to give Tanner a quick chance to catch his breath. And while we do that, I want to tell you a quick 30-second story. Let's hear me out for a second. The morning we hit 400 subscribers on YouTube, I got into a heated debate with our sixth man of the nation, Cam Wrench. He thinks now that we hit 400 subs on YouTube, that we're just going to plateau for a bit. And I said, listen, no way have you met Bridge Hunter Nation. You guys have backed us since the beginning. And we want to know that every time you tell a friend about this show or you subscribe on YouTube, that we feel that appreciation. And we just want to say thank you. So Tanner, with that, I want to ask you our next question. And what was like the one thing that you couldn't leave an aid station without on race day? So it'll, it'll definitely be two things, just calories in general. And then my big thing is chapstick. That's that's a good one. That yeah. is a really good one, especially out there in the sun and whatnot. So Eric Anderson asked earlier in the chat, he said, what was your nutrition like? And you kind of dove into a little bit with like solids and liquids, but let's just do a quick deep dive on nutrition because I feel like that's such an important integral part of Backer Ultra. So what were the solid foods that you were eating? What were the liquids that you were drinking? Yeah, so for, so for the liquids real quick, we got, so I always did like a half and half. So in my handhelds, I did like a half half and half of water Gatorade. I've tried like Tailwind and all those other like endurance uh, mixes and stuff like that. It just doesn't settle well. So half Gatorade, half water, and then uh, just sipped on some ginger ale every time I came in a little bit just to keep the stomach at bay and uh, just keep keep the sugar in, you know. And then that's pre- that pretty much covers it as far as liquids go. And then... Uh, as far as like solid foods is kind of where I was kind of focusing on for this one, for this event. Um, I believe it was like tortellini or something like that. No sauce, just kind of like just plain tortellini, some uh, baked potato pierogies, uh, just all kinds of chips, um, Cheez-Its, like barbecue chips, um, Slim Jims, um, 
yeah, just all, all those kind of just snacky kind of, kind of foods. So just easy to grab and easy to eat. Was there anything that you were craving that you didn't have that you'll definitely bring next time? Yeah, definitely some sort of like sweet candy. It was like Ch- Chadwick Robinson had like a 400 pack of Sour Patch Kids that you could have just stole from him after he dropped. <laughs> he, he's, already, he's already mentioned that in the chat. He's going to bring those for the for the movie night. Sweet. Um, here, Tanner, is the best, this is the most important question we're going to have tonight, and it's from Michael. And it says, how does it feel to have beaten Wesley by three times? Oh, come on. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I don't know. It just depends on how, how much of, you know, I think, I think Wesley could have went a lot further. I think he could have, you know, if he had uh, maybe prepared a little differently or possibly had, you know, a different setup. I, I don't know, whatever it was, but I, I'm pretty confident Wesley will uh, exceed the 100 mile mark this coming March. So, wow. but I, I, I mean, I, I guess if it's supposed to feel good, then it's supposed to feel good. I don't know. I hope you just take a victory lap all the time because this may be the last time you ever beat me in a race. So I'm pretty competitive. So uh, who knows? Come March, maybe I'm out here running uh, 200 miles or whatnot. So all right. No, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, no, it's it's kind of cool, and I think it's like it's wild to say like because I ran 58, you ran 158, and it's just kind of awesome to kind of see you go out here and just crush these backyard ultras. So um, Michael Owen also in the chat says that I heard Mexican food came in to save your race is that true or false 100 percent true <laughs> so break break us through that talk us through that uh so i mean my dad brought me in a pan of uh i just really needed some nice warm just heavy solid food i'm pretty lucky like my gut is pretty solid just knock on wood obviously but uh like I feel like I have the ability to like put down some pretty heavy food that not a lot of people can in these kind of events. So with that, I think I had a you know a pretty safe um, choice with the Mexican food. Uh, so we had we had our like Spanish rice, we had refried beans, and then like it was like fajita skirt with like some uh, tortillas. So I'm just kind of mixing all that together and just shoving it in the mouth and just kind of going. It sounds like a delicious meal, especially on the run. <laughs> Um, your dad is in the chat and said, sorry for letting our condo in the woods get destroyed by the wind. I thought I had anchored it down. Also, I'm sorry for uh, letting you forget your headlamp. But Michael has said that I think the headlamp was user error on your part. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. What we got could next, that, Wesley? Could that have potentially been a mind game? Or was that truly a headlamp error? So when I went out, I just, you know, normally there's, I have the uh, three settings and then you have like the red setting at the end. I went to turn it on and went through all settings and like it, there was no light coming out. And then I even tried like moving the battery around and like putting it back in and then using it again, still nothing. And then when I come back in, I, I go to like press it again and then all of a sudden it like shows up and just makes me look bad. So <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> I can imagine it like what a mile 154, you know, headlamps and buttons and you know things, things that things happen out there. Obviously, this is how the kind of the background ultra format works. Was there ever like a weird hallucination or something strange you saw out on the course at uh, at any point? Yeah, so uh, I want to say it was like the second or third to last loop. It was one of the one of the second night like road loops. 
I saw on my way back, I saw kind of on the longer stretch, there were three dudes fishing um, like in one of those little like ravines or like little streams on the side of the road. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. So yeah, definitely weren't people fishing, but uh, <laughs> that's what I saw. I love it. John, do you have another chat question here? Yeah, we do have another one from Abby. It says, did he mention that he had a 13 mile ruck run right before the or 13, yeah, right before the race and had blisters on his feet from that. Um, the thought of doing that and an ultra in the same weekend just makes her cringe. Yeah, how'd you do that? And when was it? Yeah, so that was on Thursday, early Thursday morning. So that, that same week, uh, it was just a requirement for ROTC for school. And uh, just one of the things I had to do. And I tried doing it with, with minimal damage and I wore the wrong socks and uh, I had some I had some pretty much like not healed all the way blisters that just got reopened in the earlier parts of the race. At least one of them did. How did you manage that during the day then? I, I have to be honest with you, I just completely ignored them. That's one way of doing it. <laughs> Nick Voss, take notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's wild to think that like, okay, not only did you beat me three times mileage wise, but you also did a 13 mile ruck run. Thursday night when I was kind of just sleeping and capering and doing all this stuff there. That's just, this is absolutely wild, man, to kind of hear. Uh, you kind of just get after it and just, I feel like you're at the stage now where you kind of just go for it. You kind of chase down all your dreams, whether it's ultra running and everything kind of involves with that. What's kind of been like your overall arching mindset now? Like, what's one thing you want to accomplish in ultra running, say, five years in the future from now? So, five years. So obviously like the goal was to win one eventually one day. So now that I've been able to do that, I'd like to win kind of one of the traditional races. Um, and I'd, I'd like to be able to run at bigs and then maybe get into like one of the higher profile races or something like that. And just kind of with all that kind of see progression and kind of see like not only like progression, but like strength and experience and kind of like as I get older, hopefully get better, so. How do you think, I mean, because you're so, I mean, you're so, you are experienced now, obviously, you just did 158 miles, but you're also so kind of like still new at it. How do you feel like that's going to transition when you kind of gain that experience? Do you think you'll kind of like keep that newness to your advantage or just kind of go into races kind of with that same feeling? Or do you think it'd be like eventually like, I'm just going to, I'm the veteran at this thing. I'm just going to do what I need to do. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the whole like, use your inexperience to like your advantage. So like now I guess there's more there's more pressure, I guess. Most people would look at it as if as if I've got more pressure um, with kind of like that 158 under my belt. Um, but, you know, I, I would definitely just take it in and use that as kind of, you know, this is how far we can go and, and you know, build some confidence from that and just kind of help help that just kind of propel me into whatever event it is that I'm going towards. So. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I was just thinking that if you show up to OBU in March and you ask Nick Voss and I for tips on the uh, around the fire, that we may actually just throw you in the fire because that, that would just be a little ridiculous. <laughs> we, we don't need that in March. You could just if you do that again. Knock it out well for you. But uh, no, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, kind of another one of our quick questions here that we always ask is that if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and they can keep pace with you, who would it be and why? Uh, do I have multiple options? Oh yeah, you just want OBU. You can take as many as you want. Okay. 
So this, this first one just sounds cliche, but it kind of goes back to like who I am as a person and like my faith. So it'd definitely be Jesus himself. And then on top of him, we'll have Courtney DeWalter, Harvey Lewis, and those kind of guys. So just those like all-time pros. Have you ever met Harvey? I never have, no. Okay. Maybe we'll get him down at uh, OBU as well and you can uh, mix it up with him. So did you, uh, what was your, did you follow Biggs this past year and kind of like, what was it like kind of seeing that kind of transpire? Yeah, I, I'd followed it pretty closely kind of like when it went on and uh, just kept up with each of like Laz's like, I don't know if it was like spoken word or what he was doing with each one, but like each yard had its own thing and it was really cool how he described it all and just, um, just kind of looking at the pictures and videos. It was kind of limited on kind of how they were able to broadcast it, but uh Definitely was in the loop on that, so. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like you have to be to kind of just keep tuned with that and see what those guys are going out and doing. And it was cool to see this year three Ohioans in the final, whatever, five or six it was. So it'd be kind of cool. You're not an Ohioan, unfortunately, but it'd be kind of cool to claim you as ours and uh, get you yeah. down there as well. John, I think you have another chat question here. Um, yeah, we have another one from Rachel Ferguson that says, Tanner forgot the next race on his uh, agenda is the turkey trot. Um, and you are hoping for another victory that day? I guess so. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see. I think that's a uh, that's a local 5K. So that I, I won my age group last year. So apparently, we're, this is where it all started. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I think it was just something we kind of did for fun. But. That's awesome, man. So kind of going off like the turkey trot, I know that's kind of a, it's, it's a big race in itself, but like if there's like one dream race that you could officially like say, hey, I want to do this race, what would that race be? Probably Biggs. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. Yeah. And then if it was like a point A to point B, um, like Moab or Hard Rock or something like that would be cool. So what, what, what say drives you to hard rock over like say Western States? I'm always kind of curious cause I'm kind of a similar way. Like I think I'd always prefer that over Western, but I'm always kind of curious to hear what other people's perspective is on that. To be honest with you, the whole, like the whole like lottery system and just the, the ch your chance of getting in and like how much work you have to put in just to get a spot is very unattractive to me. And, uh, like I believe that, you know, it's, it's good to be able to have to like work towards like a like an entry spot or, or whatever like position to like toe the line but uh with things like hard rock it's not as extensive you know and and, and whatnot but uh i i just find the whole lottery and the wait list and just the odds of getting into western states and those kinds of races just kind of unappealing and unattractive and uh i mean as cool as it would be to run in it you know it's i i think there's bigger and better races out there for sure, for sure. So kind of wrapping things up with our final like, quick question here. If you could give some advice to someone running their first backyard ultra, what would that advice be? Uh, just one thing for them. Man, um, do not go, do not go in with a goal. Do not go in with a goal. Okay, so I'm gonna. I know that's like what you said, but how are you gonna like? So how do like how do you compartmentalize that a little bit? So how do you kind of give people advice to kind of do that? Because I know it's so tough being like, people want to set like a hundred, hundred twenty-five, one fifty. How do you actually go in without a goal and be successful? Just take it one yard at a time and just uh, soak it soak it in as it comes. 
and just uh, conserve yourself and just don't go out too hard in the beginning and uh, especially those first couple of yards and just run wise and just run strong and uh, just don't don't set a goal because as soon as you get there I mean you're you're gonna you're gonna mentally check out and that's just the reality of it and uh, you saw that for some people um, at OBU this year so just don't go in with a goal that's good advice so before we close out here um, if any of our listeners who want to follow you on social media where can they find you so I'm not like extremely social media savvy, but uh, so Facebook is my just first and last name, Tanner Lee, T-A-N-N-E-R, last name is Lee, L-E-E. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Tanner Lee, my first and, first and last name, at Tanner Lee Runs. So. As always, we will put those descriptions in the video down below for everyone to access. Tanner, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for Redoration to leave with um, or any last minute shout outs you want to do to anybody? Um, just shout out to all my family back in Texas and here in Kentucky. Um, thank you all for the support. And uh, Michael, hopefully we can, you know, come up with some some big time, you know, competitors uh, this coming March. So that, that'd be cool. It'd be fantastic to see, actually. And I will we'll be there watching Gremlins while you guys are running. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks all thanks everyone in the chat for coming out tonight y'all were super active and asking tons of questions and we love that um, my name is John Dolovacki our other host here was Wesley Hart in this evening um, our guest was the 2020 Ohio's Backyard Ultra Champion and future 100 mile champion and future Bigs Backyard Ultra Champion Tanner Lee thanks again for joining us and we will see everybody else uh, next time on the next Runners Live so good night everybody Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rose Our Nation. Yeah.